Hi everyone and welcome to the Shop Store Podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. This is episode number 36. My name is Robin Lewis from RobinLewisMakes.com and I'm joined by Jordan Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio. Hello. Joey's not going to be able to make it tonight. Um, he's still taking a little bit of time off with his uh, new daughter, Gemma, so we might see him next week. We live stream recording on YouTube every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time or UTC plus 10. Or you can watch or listen to it later on YouTube, iTunes or SoundCloud. I want to say hello to everyone in the chat. We'll get to your comments towards the end of the show, but feel free to chat amongst yourselves. The idea being that this is also a place for people to meet. Now, I know we've been having a lot of trouble in the chat over the last couple of weeks. So John and I have tried a couple of things tonight. Hopefully, it's going to be all right. But as we said last week, if there's any issues, just let us know and um, just keep us up to date. So that'd be that'd be great. Not that we can do anything, but we can be made aware of it. Yeah, we can't do too much, but at least we know then where we stand and, and we can try something for the next episode. All right, so announcements. John, do you want to start off with this weekend? Uh, yeah, so... This is weird for me to have an announcement, but this weekend, <laughs> so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I am going to be at the Wood Show here in Perth, which is held at the Claremont Showgrounds. Uh, I'm not actually there with my company. I'm there with TimberCon, helping them out and doing some demos, but I would love it if you'd come up and say g'day and make me look popular, because then that way they might keep bringing me in to help out with more demos. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's cool. Do you know if there's a, t- a ticket price on it? Uh, yeah, there is. I think at least last year it was like $16 for adult. There is concession and senior prices from memory. Um, but it is all on their website. So if you just need to Google Perth Wood Show 2018, it will have everything on there. Okay. And speaking of wood shows, I'm just bringing up the details now because I haven't actually had a look at it. So th- we talked... Uh, a while ago about a festival coming up on the border of Canberra and New South Wales. It's the Wood Dust Festival. I don't know if you remember, Jordan, we talked about that. I do remember, yes. Yeah. That is in a lovely town. What is the town it's in? It starts with a B. Um, Gosh. Um, I, I yeah, performed there last year. It was great. Ba- Bungan, Bungandor? Something like that. Bungandor? Anyway, so it's at the Bungandor Showgrounds, and I'm going to be doing a talk there um, on either the Friday or the Saturday. The details are still a little bit vague at the moment, but you know, I will definitely be there. So it's in October. It starts on Wednesday, the 17th of October, but I'll be there on the Friday, which would be the 19th and 20th. So that's the Friday and the Saturday. We, uh, myself and the organizer, we've talked about really trying to bring a YouTube um, sort of uh, aspect to the show because obviously these sort of wood expos are very much um, or like all the classes are about sharpening and, and dovetails and that sort of thing which is the more traditional side of things but this this organizer he's very keen on trying to get YouTube involved and, and social media involved so from uh, my perspective the the talk that I'm going to be doing is about that so it's how to start a YouTube channel how to progress as a woodworker on YouTube but also, I'm really hoping that all the people that couldn't make it out to Queensland in May when we did that get-together, a lot of the people said, oh, you know, it's too far to travel, which I completely understand it is a long way. But I think it's just lazy. 
<laughs> but for everyone down in New South Wales, I guess even Victoria to a certain degree, um, this or looks ACT. like it's or ACT, of course. Yeah, this looks like it's going to be a fantastic show. Just talking to the the, the owner, his vision, um, who's coming. The, some of the sponsors are incredible. Uh, 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 fun, uh, fun woodworking. I think it is the magazine. They're sponsoring it, so it's it's real. It's going to be top quality if there is anybody um, down that side of Australia. It would be amazing if you could come out and just be part of that, that uh, YouTube woodworking community and, and sort of support us and, and, and you know, be part of it. Uh, yeah, that's just a little plug. I'm probably going to do another couple of plugs over the next couple of weeks because I'd really, you know, really like cool. people to be there. But yeah, it's... it's it's, I'm, I'm not just asking people to come along and, and have a look at the show. I'm particularly asking the woodworking YouTubers of Australia, come along, let's make our presence known and let's be a real, um, a real force for that expo. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. All right. So what have you been working on this week, John? You were saying earlier that the, the business is um, a priority you know, at the moment. Yeah, well, you know, I'm in a big lull because, as we all know, I – had a this is like the first time I've done anything properly with everything outlined on paper with budgets and posed budgets and all sorts of stuff and then yeah. uh, when the laser didn't arrive as specified it meant everything was put on hold so I'm on a big lull and on last week's episode I was saying that the new tube should be getting here any day now well mm. it arrived the following day smashed so I saw that $2,000 of glass and other sciencey stuff, I don't know how it works, uh, arrived broken, and now Never. it's going to be, I don't know how long. So, like, I'm, this is the first time I've literally been out of money. Like, every single account I have is zero or negative with mm. overdrawn and interest just racking up like crazy. And then the supplier, and I, and I can understand, like if I was in their boat, I'd say the same thing. They're happy to send me a replacement tube for free, but they wanted some help with the postage because uh, they, they asked for 200 US dollars in postage um, to help cover the costs. And I was like, guys, I really, I, I can't. I haven't mm. got any money. Um, what happens if this tube arrives broken? Do I have to give you another $200? And, and they've kind of reassured me that if it arrives broken, this will be, um, you know, we'll cover postage on the next one. And if, if that doesn't happen, we'll refund you and all that sort of crap. Um, are, they, are they sort of, maybe not insinuating, but is the, is the blame sitting on, on Australia Post or coming from the US, you know? Well, the thing is, like, if the, the packaging was broken... TNT, who was the, the courier, they yeah. would have, their insurance would cover it. No worries at all. But the, the packaging wasn't broken at all. There wasn't even a scuff on it. Like, it was obviously handled properly. It's just something that happens. So, so then, then it's, surely then it falls on the way they've packaged it. And, I, I, and I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to, you know, demonize them. But I'm just saying, like, for, for them to ask you to pay for shipping, yeah. I don't know, that just seems a bit weird. It did. And, like, I'm a, I'm a DHL account holder and, um, I went onto my portal with DHL and I calculated postage if I went through myself and it was going to be $800. So, mm. like, them asking for a couple of hundred is justifiable. And when when I uh, 
like when I received this broken tube, obviously it was like a massive, devastating, yeah, holy crap! I'm actually this. I'm actually going to go under. I can't see any way out of this. And you know, when they said, "Can you help pay for uh, additional postage?" I, actually, initially they said, "Could you help us with two hundred and fifty dollars?" Um, so I said, "I can't afford it." And they said, "How about two hundred? And that's when I said, "The whole let's go back and forth." Um, but basically, that arrived smashed, so that has resulted in even more delays. And with the wood show this week, I couldn't really get a start, or there was no point getting a start on any other commissions because it would be work for two days and then put it all on hold for a week. And chances are, if I've milled material and it's sat around for a week, it's going to move. If mm. I don't mill material, then there's no real point starting, all that sort of stuff. So, basically, I've had the last four days off uh, sitting around, feeling sad and sorry for myself, trying to come up with, like, a, a, you know, like, something to work on just to keep me busy and and hopefully generate some income. So, what I've done is I've come up with a plan with my sister's company, who is a, they're a lighting uh, solution, people like architectural lighting. Mm. Uh, we come up with a few plans there, and I'm hopefully going to get a few products on their website mm. to help, you know, supplement. It's not going to be like I'm one of their suppliers. It's just if they're interested, they're happy to back me, and then my lights will use their their stuff, like you know, their yeah. their suppliers. So that's something. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's hard. Like right now. So there's, no, there's nothing going on in the shop, no. Absolutely no not. Work. I've closed the doors. I've walked away because if I'm in there and I'm I'm walking from end to end trying to think, well, I could do this, but if I do this, then it's going to be in the way for when I do this. Mm. So I'm I'm walking up and down, and it's not um, it's not productive for one. It's not helpful for me. And as has been in the news everywhere lately, it's like you know, take a mental health day. Yeah. And, and like I'm taking a page out of that because if I'm forcing myself just to be there for no reason, I'm feeling more and more negative about the, the whole business. Mm. Um, so, you know, I've walked away, basically. I'm hoping the wood show this week. I've got a whole week hanging out with my mate Dane and, and Ray and all that. It was from TimberCon and, you know, we always get along and have a good laugh. So I'm hoping like a week of that will just recharge the batteries and yeah. when I get back, I can just jump straight into it. Um, it's a shame that the work that I have got on isn't quite enough to cover, you know, make, make ends meet right away, but there is work in the pipeline. So mm. maybe if I can, I will jump into it and, um, you yeah, know, just say, Hey, I'll take this job on for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about, and now this is possibly a, a, a stretch, what about working on some online content? I mean, I know it's not a huge amount of money, but if you've got nothing else to do in the shop, what about yeah. making a, an interesting video? See, that is where my mind is at right now. Mm. Um, and my biggest issue, and we touched on this last week, and we're going to get into it on this, this episode, is mm. that I feel like the content I've been putting out has kind of met a... Uh, you know, like a stagnation. Everything seems to be the same, same. So if I do jump into it, I want it to be something different, unique that I can really get into. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I'm trying to come up with something to do that with. Uh, and, and I have an idea now, but of course it's like 
it's Tuesday afternoon. I start working eight AM tomorrow with Timbercon for a week. So it's like, yeah. well, I'll keep I'll keep working on it in my mind. So then yeah. when next Tuesday comes around, I can kind of jump straight into it. But you know, it, it, and that's the thing. This is the way that it goes with small business. And everyone has their ups and downs and I have to keep it in perspective. It's not the end of the world, it's just it's just a hump. Yeah, exactly. And, and like I could do the whole thing of saying on the podcast like no nah, everything's great and you know, i'm just having a week off but that would be bullshitting everyone yeah Thing, things are crap i will admit that but it's also really a good chance to reflect and figure out what i've done wrong and and, and find out it's things all part, it's all part of the journey as well exactly and if it's something where you guys in the chat or who are listening to this on itunes are thinking about starting your own business keep in mind that it's not just simple like sometimes you will hit a lull and that's what's happening. So, mm. But, you know, I think in the long run, it's going to be good because it means that when I do eventually jump back into it, I'll have a much clearer direction and everything will hopefully um, yeah, work out easier. Mm. All right. uh, but, yeah, what about you, Robin? I saw some silky – no, not silky. What is it? Something yeah. sexy on the Instagram. Yeah, so this week I've been working on this split-level coffee table, and they are from old bedheads. So two bedheads, I've pulled them apart. They were just joined with dowels, so they came apart pretty easy. And I sort of, I've drawn up the design and had a look at it, and myself and the the clients, my in-laws, they are happy with the design, and. Then what I did is I've now started milling all the timber down to its final dimensions and then I'll redraw or, you know, uh, recreate the SketchUp file just so that it's exactly it and then I can work off the plan. So this week all I've been doing is just getting, you know, milling all the pieces down to size, putting them through the thickness and getting that varnish off. And it was was quite a nice surprise. So when I got given this wood, my my in-laws said to me, it's oak. And I picked it up and I thought, this is really light. And this is the same dimension as the, the, the timber you get from the pine you get from Bunnings. So it doesn't look like pine, but it could be. And it's so light. But it's from, it was from South, South Africa. So, I, you know, I, I couldn't really tell because I don't know very much about South African woods. So I ran this through the thicknesser. And... As it came out, I looked at this and I thought, this looks exactly like silky oak. Exactly like silky oak. Probably a bit paler, so it's a bit more blonde. But those those trademark medullary rays running straight through it and the smell, exactly the same. Does it have an unpleasant smell? Because I've had a lot of like acacias and silky oaks and things come through. And I think it depends on where it's built. But it stinks like, not I wouldn't say rotting flesh, but definitely... Like a decomposing swampy smell. I, I mean, I haven't thought of it like that. It could be. It's not a. I, I mean, I wouldn't class it as a nice smell. It's not a not cypress or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But it's definitely a distinct smell. So, <laughs> before the show, we were, Jordan and I were talking about what it could be. Now, as I say, I don't know very much about South African woods because I only gone to woodworking when I was when I moved to Australia, and we think it could be acacia based on the fact that I, I know that acacias are plentiful in Australia and we think that it could be from the same family? Hmm, I think so. Hmm. But I'm not a woodologist. 
Yeah, well, if, if anyone knows if acacias and, and grevilleas are from the same family, let me know. Uh, because it's just, it, was, it was just crazy. I was working with this going, thinking to myself, I can't believe how similar it is. And then, it, well, you know, I can't believe how similar this is to something I know. And then it dawned on me that, yeah, it's basically, it was just silky oak. So anyway, got all the, the pieces milled down, um, all the, the legs and stretches, then got stuck onto the tabletop. That's what I worked on today. So it's made up of two, there's two bed heads and they're joined together to form the tabletop. And last night I put the two pieces in clamps and today I took it out of the clamps and I was going to, now because these two pieces were too wide to go through my thicknesser, I thought I'll glue them together and then I'll get the belt sander out and I'll belt the, you know, the varnish off. <laughs> And the stupid belt sander, it's done this a couple of times. I put on the 36 grit belt, went along, it's fine. But it always happens with this 120 grit belt. You're going along and next thing, it just digs. Oh yeah, right. As the belt comes off the tracking, it's, I think yeah. that's what happens. And then the, the actual, the, the machine just tips, but probably about three, four mil. Yep. Just. Oh my word! And I was like, now, "Is is that something that they do?" Um, well, yes, but so are you saying that the belt came off the platen and then you dug in deeper? No, 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 no. So it didn't come off, but I was using it, and all of a sudden, so I'm making sure to keep it moving, so it doesn't it doesn't bog down in one spot. And, and, right. But you. I'm also using it one-handed, which is probably not right. That's one area to improve on. Two yeah. hands is pretty necessary, but yeah. So I'm sliding it back and forwards like you're using a, a vacuum cleaner, and then all of a sudden it just goes, and I can feel my hand dip. Yeah, and, yeah, okay. And it's caught it on the back, and it's just, I lift it up, and there's this thing. So, oh, man, I was so angry. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a really good um, practice with a belt sander is not just up and down like a vacuum, but keep it straight up and down the board but kind of do it in circles big circles because then you're not uh -huh. going to create tracks because if you start to just go up and down and you get a worn area then your belt is going to want to track in that trench essentially and like, and so where this where this it was was where the this because there's about the the actual timber the actual boards are made up of a few pieces of timber and it's right on the glue line where i presume you're going to have the different grain yeah. changes and so you also have a slight seam in there yeah, yeah. i mean that's that's just part of felt sanders once you master it they're amazing i i, I think it's one of the best tools in the yeah. world um it was steve ramsey once said it's 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 an unnecessary thing in the workshop but i think it's amazing and i've always had such good luck with it but every now and then as you said if you don't have two hands on the thing um oh man how to ruin yeah. your day anyway, so, last sorry, last time i was using a belt sander the belt tore in two and it, it overlapped onto itself so it was kind of like <laughs> A sanding a T into the surface <laughs> and I didn't notice the like I, I felt something hit my knuckles and I thought oh it must just be some of the crusty like bark or whatever mm. and then uh, it was just kept going and a few seconds later I looked down and I see this massive scored mark throughout the entire top I'm like <sighs> <laughs> so to get around the problem I did what I should have done because I now ended up with a 700 mil wide panel 
right. which I then cut into three pieces, put it through the thicknesser, glued them back up. Yeah. which was obviously the long way around, but I should have just done it in the first place. And it looks a million times better as, as well. Um, yeah. Still having a bit of issue with my jointer. Uh, I don't know if one of the beds has now gone up or down. Um, I'm still getting a bit of a, a, a Kong fix uh, edge when I, when I use the edge jointer, but I just... Oh. Is it the whole length or just at the start and stop? Like, is it like snipe or does it actually induce a curve as you're using it? It, it creates the curve. So what happens is you've got a, a general, let's say I've got a perfectly flat piece. Yeah. I run it through and then the, the back end doesn't, hit, doesn't um, engage the blade. So the back end of the board will just miss. Yeah, okay. So you've and probably, I'd say what you've got is instead of yours being a, a straight line, imagine that you raise the beds to the same level. I'd say that you've got a slight V-shape, so you're, it would be one of your two tables, hard to say without having a really long straight edge, would be mm. dropped down a little bit. Yeah. So what you can do, you've got a Gibbs-style dovetail like mine, right? Mm. It's not a parallelogram. What you can do is you can just get some shim stock. I usually just go to like a car shop and get the cheapest feeler gauge that I can and just pull a few gauges out and just jam it in with the gib and then that will actually raise or lower, depending if you put it on the bottom or the top, the overall table and it will right. improve it. Do be prepared though that what you think it's going to do is generally the opposite thing. So if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to shim it here because it will lift it up, it doesn't actually lift it up where you think it is. It's a real mind annoyance. Well, I, that's the word you wanted to yes. use. Hey? Uh, I, I, I was going to ask because the last time that I had a problem with it, that, that gibber just slid out completely because I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And so I popped that back in and it's, and it's heaps better. Um, but I, in my mind, I can't see how those little set screws are going to adjust the height of the table. Yeah, so they don't actually adjust anything. They're tension, so that's how you take slop out of your table. So you want them, especially on your outfit, you want them to be quite tight. Like you don't need to be able to move that table once it's set. It's mm. set unless you change your knives to have more exposed or less exposed. You shouldn't need to adjust that table. Um, so you do have to, and this is where this style of jointer is cheaper is because adjustment isn't there. So you do need to use shim. So you actually go in under the dovetail mm. and shim it, then tighten the gib down. That will lock it down onto that new plane. Right. So those set screws are not for adjustment. They're just, They're just for... tension. That's right. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. And in the perfect world, your dovetail would be perfectly machined. But yeah. these are still, at the end of the day, still going to be made in Taiwan with, you know, either machines which have made thousands of them mm. or people that have error. So, yeah. you know, a worn machine is going to make a worn dovetail machine, machine dovetail. Yeah. So it's a pain in the butt. But once it is set, you generally don't get it to wear out too quickly, especially mm. on an outfeed table because you just don't move it. Like my, my jointer, which is 75 years old, you know, that's worn, but it's worn to where I've got it shimmed and now it's fine. Yeah, this this problem is on on the infeed table, I suspect, because everything I've read has said that the the infeed table is on an angle. So as you put the board in, it's coming in at the wrong angle. 
So even though, so it's that first, you know, 10 mil of the board is coming in at the wrong angle. One, or let's say 100 mil. Yeah. Once you get past that, you can then push that, that 100 mil down. So now you're on the outfeed table. Yeah, because okay. so you've got you, a sloped in feed. Yeah, so you can't, you can't line it up with the outfeed table, you know, in that first 50 mil. Um, and I think that's where the problem starts. So, yeah. because it's so, it's so frustrating because I push the board on and as soon as I can get it flat on the outfeed table, it is. And I can just, I can see the board tracking perfectly along the outfeed table. And it's like, <laughs> it's like the infeed table just slowly drops away from it. It could and, and be you that your cutter had, so, so th there's two things I can do this. One is the, the slope table. So mm. obviously try and get, you know, even a spirit level. People say don't use a spirit level, but stuff them. I, I went out and bought a, a 1.2 meter, like $1,000 straight edge. So Yeah, okay. So you already yeah. got that. I mean, that, that's better than a spirit level, but still. Mm. Um, the other thing is if you get a, a like a 12-inch rule, so 300 mil rule, chuck it on its edge and rotate the cutter head by hand, does mm. that lift the ruler by and like move it forward by a millimeter? Or does it not even skim it? Or does it move it by heaps? So basically, yeah, so what I set it up is... to to just it just touches it. So at the at the when I've used when I've used a, a spirit level on it, I can just hear it's just, just scratching. scraping. Yeah. So there is you can set it up to be slightly more aggressive than that. You will get a tiny bit of snipe, but mm. if you get it so it moves the ruler, just picks it up and moves it by a millimeter, that can sometimes accommodate for that initial error. Oh. without having to shimmer. It's not the best practice. It's better to have it tuned perfectly, but mm. it is a workaround. And a lot of older machines use that, that trick mm. where you have a little bit of snipe intentionally, but it helps get rid of that. Yeah, well, I might, give the sh I might give the shim uh, thing a go, and then if but that yeah. doesn't work, then, yeah, then we've got to go to plan B. Yeah. Cool. All right, so tonight we wanted to talk about topic that we left off on last episode and a couple of people sent me messages i don't know if george if you got the same thing but a couple of people sent me messages saying oh that sounds interesting let's let's do a talk about that i can't say i got any messages right Where, where's the love everyone come on <laughs> <laughs> so what we talked about at, um, at the end of last week's episode we, john and i were discussing what we've been watching and we both we both had a bit of resignation in, in, I, I'd say in our voices about the fact that there's nothing in the maker scene that's really jumping out of us at the moment. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It's just at the moment, there's nothing really, you know, sparking our interest. So we just wanted to talk about that today, I guess, very openly. You know, there's no real, there's no real agenda. There's no real direction. But... Has the the YouTube maker scene changed over the last, what are we going to say, year? Yeah, I'd say 12 months is a good time frame. Yeah, I, I know uh, Matthias Wandel put out a video a couple of weeks ago talking about how he's noticed it as well. So I don't think this is necessarily out of left field. I think, you know, I think it's a fair thing to to assume. So... Let's start then, uh, John, maybe with, 
in terms of your what you consume on YouTube, yeah, what percentage of that at the moment is is maker? Let's go maker woodworking style videos, and uh, and feel free to be as honest as you want. You don't have to be. I would say next to nothing is woodworking at the moment. Mm. I mean, I watch. I'd say in a fortnight, I'd watch one or two woodworking specific videos, and that's about it. Mm. Uh, everything else, if it's maker-related, it would be like engineering stuff, so, you know, minute physics and all that sort of stuff where it's actually highly educational for someone like me, anyway. Maybe not to a civil engineer, but to, to me, it's educational. Or uh, machining. Like, really, really boring machining videos like ox talk at works who is 40 minute long videos of a guy talking and saying um every three minutes <laughs> but it's completely different it's out of my realm and it's fascinating for me to watch this guy turn chunks of steel into like whatever it is a handle for a, a machine or just mm. talking about how you can use light waves to measure to millions of an inch mm. of accuracy by using a certain light wave and all sorts of stuff like that and uh, I, and I don't know why that is. Well, like, I think I think you've just touched on it. Touched on it there. It's it's out of your um, your scope of knowledge. So because of that, whatever they're talking about, it's going to be exciting. And so when we when we as woodworkers look at woodworking videos in the beginning, it was amazing because everything was was new and exciting. Yeah. And maybe that honeymoon period is just over now. It's, I mean, it's not to say that the, the videos are lesser quality or the content's changed, but we have we have um, sort of changed our, our view. I mean, I think it it has to be part of that. And I mean, not to sound too negative to all the other like YouTube creating people like content creators out there but to me everything that is being produced not everything but the majority of stuff that's being produced um, is probably better wording is very same same like it might be a different end product but mm. the construction methods are the same or the timber that they're using is all this home depot 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 whatever you guys yeah. call it in the states um or like bunnings grade materials or it's all like more assembling something than actually making something. Um, there's obviously like exceptions to that rule, but all but, the popular channels which are getting these huge views, for me, seem to be these boring, like boring projects which are different to the last project they made, but somehow it's still the same. But is is that same same content? different from when you used to watch it five years ago. I, think I it don't is. believe it is. I don't believe I think, it is. I think it is because when I was watching five years ago or, or even eight years ago, I was watching The Wood Whisperer like in early days mm. and I was watching his stuff and I was fascinated by the fact that his, his festool router could be adjusted by 0.1 of a millimeter. And mm. like he was doing doing mortises with a router and then still kind of hand-shaping everything. So he's using, you know, something which is completely powered and then using yeah. something completely hand-driven, whereas now 
if I watch a video, most of it is using, you know, a festival domino. And I'm guilty of all this crap myself. Don't, don't get me wrong. Mm. But it's like it's using a domino or it's using pocket screws or it's using, like, dow jigs. There's not really much else out there, people. I mean, there's a few guys. Samurai would uh, cut. What, what's he called himself? Samurai Woodworker. Samurai Carpenter? Yeah, something like that. Mm. Like, he, he does traditional joinery all the time. And that's, like, obviously one exception, but a whole heap of the other stuff seems to me is about making it as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's, that's, an, that's an interesting... That's a really interesting one. Um, I remember when, for me, I noticed it about a year or two ago, a lot of the... Um, like brand name stuff. It's basically signage, I guess. Yeah. Started working because a video game would come out or Star Wars would come out and everyone would make something to do with Star Wars. Yeah. The object of the video was no longer about fun woodworking. It was to get something out in line with Star Wars to... And there's nothing wrong with that. That's, I mean, that's savvy business. But um, yeah, when when a video comes out with one of those brands, yeah, I kind of look at it and go... This might be cool, but I just, I don't know if it is going to be because as you say, it's, it's that rush to the finish line because the video in itself is not what's supposed to be amazing. Now, again, obviously we should, we should probably caveat this entire conversation by saying we are going to generalize throughout this conversation. Yes. So we're not saying that it's like this for everyone, but yeah. Yeah, so, like there's there's obviously a lot of people out there that are putting effort into these mm. amazing builds. It's just I when I refer to this, I'm probably referring to the stuff which is more popular, more and and getting the huge views. Mm. Um, and obviously, there's a reason they're getting the huge views. So like, you know what? If I have any negative connotations to it, my opinion means squat. Like, mm. they're the ones that are getting success. But would you say possibly? Uh, Robin, that the reason a lot of people are putting videos out there aren't because they're doing it for the project anymore, but they're doing it for the video, and maybe that's taken away the authenticity of it. Absolutely, and Leroy has literally just summed it up in the in the. Um, oh, there we go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think yeah, more I th- people I th- are trying to make a living from content, so creators are more prone to stick to a formula that works. Yeah. One thing that I've noticed a lot is that more and more of my audience are content creators, woodworkers. And I think that ties in with what you're saying is that people like, like you and me did, so that, you know, we're, we're no different. People saw the scene growing and the fact that there was financial gain and we thought, I want a piece of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, for for a large part, I know for myself anyway, a lot of my videos were, I've got to get a video out every week. Yeah. Quality just out the window. Got to get a video out every week to stay relevant in the algorithm. But it, it's funny how we think that because I'm the same, I was the same. Now, I obviously don't put out that much videos at this moment, but I do plan to put more out very soon. But if I look at the YouTube channels, which I keep going back to and you know, uh, in my mind, binge-worthy. It's channels like Alex Steele. It's like Alex French Guy Cooking, this old Tony. You know, these are all channels which are growing pretty quickly. And the one link I have between them all, and it's not something I associated 
early, like that long ago with anything is how positive their the present the presentation is. The guys, mm-hmm. the the personalities of those channels is what sells it to me, not necessarily the projects. Like Alex Steele, all of his videos are pretty similar. Like you know, a lot of slow motion forging and all of this, but him as a presenter. You can see the passion in it. He's really yeah. driven. He's over the top. And I am I almost could guarantee that if I ran into him on the street and had a conversation with him, he would be as down and mellow and not anywhere Some, near as It's just a miserable like, sod. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, like, he, he's a brand now. Like, he's got a million subscribers. He's officially a brand. Mm. So, he has to come up with this brand persona. And it's yeah. the same with this old Tony. Like, his, his whole niche is that he is very serious but he has amazing comic genius when it comes to timing of jokes and his humor throughout the videos mm. and that's something that is, is reliable with him so you know that that's what um dirk was just saying earlier on um the outcome of a build and how the person making the video uh, uh blah, 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 is important personality accounts for a lot which i think I think is it's so important because Alex Steele, Alex Steele is, as you say, he's a brand, but he's also now a personality and people want, people want to be around him. Yeah. Now, you know, guys like you and me, we obviously, we have a, a similar, a similar uh, place in the hierarchy, but it's just to such a lower degree that we don't have these people clambering to see our videos because, you know, people don't say, sort of don't want to get involved with, with a Robin Lewis video because he's Robin Lewis. You know, there's, yeah, yeah. I, I believe people like, like Alex Steele have something, obviously he's good at what he does, but he has something that's created out of the fact that he is someone that everyone wants to be a part of. Do you know, do you know what I mean? He's, it's sort of the self-fulfilling prophecy and that's why guys like that do well. His, yeah. his content is amazing. I'm, I'm obviously not taking that away. But because of his growth, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, there's something going on here. I want to be a part of that. And that snowball growth. Oh, 100%. Totally. And I think that's that association with seeing what's possible and thinking, oh, I could have a part of that. How hard can it be? And people jumping on board and trying to do the same thing, not necessarily identical thing, but, you know, make a living off being a content creator is maybe what's flooded it. Um, Now, for me, like, not to get too, uh, like, self-indulgent here, but for me, when I started making videos, I did it because I freaking loved that process of filming the project editing it, putting it online, sharing it with people. And then as my business became, which seems like it was a long time ago, and it was only about two months ago, it became, you know, more and more successful and I had less and less time to put into the actual videos and it was, let's just put all the focus into the actual project and if I can get a video out of it, great. It actually took a lot of that driving force of creating the videos out of it and therefore took the kind of motivation and the passion out of it. Um, and that's when shit went south on my channel yeah. doing this. Well, maybe I can do the daily vlog. Okay. Well, some people loved it, but majority hated it. And that kind of took away that, that driving force of it. So I think keeping content relevant, keeping um, fans relevant 
uh, is is just as much of an issue as the videos themselves, right? Does that, that doesn't even make any sense. No, no, Probably. no. I, th- I think that I think that I think that that does make sense because in that moment where you were where you were scrambling to to make something happen, your 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 core values of your videos changed, mm. and. Again, again, no disrespect meant, but what happens in that situation is you then start to water down that pool because now you're putting out videos because you feel like you need to put out videos and the quality is not what it was before. Yeah. And, and yeah. so when, when you end up in a situation where the entire community is doing that, because we, we all do that, when our, when our videos aren't doing well, we, we scramble. We put out these, these low quality, n- not necessarily low quality, but these like, some par half fast videos you know I'm, i made a video about a year ago where <laughs> um, <laughs> i made a it was supposed to be a pencil holder out of concrete bit of copper pipe it was terrible the project was terrible but i had this really cool idea on how to film it all my effort went into the filming and i lost sight of the project and i mm. got slammed in the comments completely um justifiably it was a terrible video but in my head while i was making it i was thinking this way of filming is amazing this video is going to do so well not i'm going to share this 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 um, thing that i've made with people i'm going to use flashing lights literally smoke and mirrors to try and get to the top of the the list yeah and it's wrong it's so wrong it is it is i think I mean, and I think everyone with a YouTube channel of any size above, you know, a couple of hundred views per video is guilty of losing sight of the actual product and is putting it all into the video, and even if that video isn't what your viewers came to you for. Yeah. Um, but to bring it back to the, the, the original topic of... Yes. Yeah. Um, sort of is the the maker scene slowing down a bit i think because of all these things that we've talked about now the the what do they call it is the barrier to entrance or um you know what i'm talking about the the starting point or, or what you need to become a youtube maker people have have seen that there's this this bandwagon or this cash cow like yourself and i did at one point and so many people have just jumped on now that there's just this complete flooding. And man, when I go into my subscriptions feed, I'm just scrolling through going, nope, nope, yeah, doesn't I, interest me, I not interested. ever click on one of them. It's just, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, got, I've got a handful of people that I watch religiously as what we were saying earlier. I'm watching it for them because I, I like them. I think mm-hmm. if, you know, in a... In, in this sphere, we would be friends. So, you know, you naturally, what do they call it? A, a pseudo friendship. Yep. But in terms of the actual projects, yeah, I just, I just don't, nothing gets me excited like it used to. Yeah, and I'm, I'm in the exact same boat. And it's this that has, you know, we talked a few, maybe five episodes ago now about, you know, the change of my youtube channel main youtube channel's name and that is because i wanted to free up myself to actually change from crap that no longer interests me 
mm. and actually go in a slightly different direction. So whether it be, you know, an engineering project or a, or a 3D printing or like, you know, something like that, it gives me that freedom without my audience expecting everything to be out of wood. I mean, I haven't successfully implemented it because mm. of time restraints and all that sort of crap, but it is because I, for me, I, I had the exact same impression as you where it's, you know, nothing is really interesting me out there right now. So why would I want to contribute to it? Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't successfully come up with a way to combat that issue, but we're working on it. <laughs> one one thing that is quite um, unfortunate about this whole thing is I think you do then end up, you you as the viewer get into this mentality of no scroll 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 and you can end up missing stuff we've got uh vic from down under woodworks in the um in the chat at the moment and he put out a video it was to make a a, a pot a pot plant holder out of dowels and the way he he went about cutting those so basically it's it's half lapped dowels so you can imagine cutting those half laps and round in dowel stock can be quite well for me anyway i'd never thought of it in his video came up with a super cool jig i thought it was amazing and you if you get into the habit of just skipping through things and not keeping up with them you can miss out on those absolute like gems. nuggets yeah. gems yeah because you're so busy just going back to what you know so I guess there is something to be said for every now and then you as the viewer, you need to put in the effort and you need to break out of your, your routine. Oh, totally, totally. And I think maybe that's also a huge thing is that it's our routine has changed. Mm. Like, you know, it, we are definitely in this conversation anyway kind of saying that the content has not necessarily changed but content is responsible for our disinterest. Mm. But maybe it isn't. I mean, maybe it is that we've changed our habits and yeah. it's, it's nothing to do with the actual content. It's just our habits. So. Or not even necessarily habits, just we as people have, have, have grown. The, yeah. the YouTube phase has shifted. We've got old and boring. Those are, those are all contributing factors. Yeah. Um, this, just this week, I got a couple of people contact me for sticker swaps, just out of the blue. And I've never heard of these guys. And I, and I thought to myself, I wonder if, you know, we're sitting here and we're having this conversation, thinking back on the good old days, you know, when, when the maker, maker uh, scene was blowing up and it was incredible. I wonder if there's going to be a, you know, we're just one generation of it. There will then be a resurgence of it in the next generation. Oh, yeah. That's an open question. I mean, how could there not be? I mean, look at... So let's look at pop culture. Uh, in the seventies, I think it was yo-yos—they were like the fad, right? Yeah. And then they died out, and then they came back in the nineties, and then they died out, and they came back in the thousands. It's like everything has a has a cycle. Mm. Um, same as you know, pop culture in anything with comic books. Spider-Man was huge, and then died, and then was huge, and then died, and then got sold out to Hollywood, and then died. Yeah. But I, I can't believe that the content is going to change. Because I at the end of the day... content will only change with technology. Yeah, correct. So when the CNC thing happened, the CNC movement happened, and lasers, that was all, that was all yeah. it. But in terms of woodworking, it's going to come down to 
the, the individual, the, the character, the personality. Because surely by now, we've just, we've, YouTube's saturated with anything that you can think of woodworking-wise, you can find a video on it. There's well, nothing new. Wise, I mean, 95% of my problems, instead of Googling, are YouTube now. Yeah. Like, almost everything is now YouTube. Yeah. So, so the idea that something new is going to come along. So uh, going back to your analogy about um, was it was music. Um, the music does change as we go. Now, I guess you could, depending how much you dislike certain genres, you could argue <laughs> that it doesn't. But there is a there is a progression. The way you make a coffee table between a you know mortise and tenons and and pocket hole screws that's never going to change well it's not the fundamentals aren't going to change but it will change as styles change as in as in what's in fashion what's in vogue so if you know like, like i think right now there's a lot of scandinavian influence out there especially mm. in australia but there's also the other side to say that the way that they used to make a coffee table in the 1800s was all back saws and chisels, and then they would, you know, everything was through mortise and tenon, and everything had hand cut because there was nothing else out there. And then you get to now where you've got one extreme, which is the the pocket screws and the the um, the, the domino, which is you know basically make anything flat pack. Who cares? We can we can stick anything together with this. So. That's where the change is going to be. Mm. Like, you look at the old Norm videos and everything was biscuit joint because yeah. biscuits were the new technology. And yeah. now you look yeah. at everything and everything is either domino or pocket hole. Like, pocket hole was around back then, but domino wasn't, and now everything's dominoed. So what is the next huge thing going mm. to be that will change it? Talking about that, uh, I don't know if you watch Andy Rawls. Uh, I do occasionally, yes. So he put out a video recently, I, th I think it might have actually been today, where he's making a, uh, a big conference table out of some hard maple. He's got a machine called an S4, which I don't know if that's just a, a name that he gave it, but because it, it does what it says on the tin, it, it um, dimensions the lumber up. Yeah. <laughs> you literally take a piece of timber, you Throw put it in, in the machine, one side, other side, top side, bottom side, out it comes. Yeah, four side planer. Oh man, what a dream. Yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're pretty cool. I so mean, they've been around for decades. They used to be steam-powered, but, yeah, they're incredible machines. But maybe that will be the next the Yeah, next maybe that tech. becomes commonplace and everyone's, yeah, like, a, just a benchtop unit. Yeah. Um, the Over in the chat, the everyone's talking about resin pores. And um, oh, yeah. perfect so, example. Now, yeah, is the, is the maker scene, the maker community in general just a, a, a scale up of the reason poor. I, um, I saw something funny. It, it's around this. Sorry. It's, it's a little bit off topic, but I saw no, it on no, Instagram. No. Some, I can't remember who shared it. It was a furniture designer that I really liked though. And it was a photo of a slab with a crack in it, a, like a gallon of resin and pigment, uh, hairpin legs. And then it was captioned instant furniture designer starter kit. <laughs> yeah. it's like it's so true you get a bit of wood some plastic and some pre-made legs and screw it all together and there you go you're a furniture designer yeah and that's that's what it is at the moment yeah <laughs> that's quite funny i was i was um i met up with a, someone in 
last weekend in Adelaide, who's a, a carpenter, and he was talking about how, um, you know, he's into YouTube and, and he's he's finding it pretty helpful. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm on YouTube, yeah. And he says to me, have you, seen, have you seen one of those resin tables? And I just thought, this is just, it's everywhere now. It yeah. is just everywhere. Yeah. And that's when you say, oh, no, I haven't. Please tell me. <laughs> it's like the coffee roaster next door to me always comes in and says, oh, have you seen this? He's really, I mean, he is something out of this planet with how annoying he can be. Yeah, but, you've talked about him before. Um, yeah. Like, he comes in and he shows me this, you know, the iris tables where you rotate it and it expands 10 times size. I'm like, yeah, man, I saw that about 10 years ago, but pretty cool. Thanks for showing me that. And yeah. then he comes in, oh, yeah, it's saw something really cool. Have a look at this. And it's a resin table. Like, I, I'm, I'm so anti them, but I have to pretend because you give me coffee. Yeah. So, now, obviously, we've, we've talked about the community a fair bit. We put our videos out into the community with an expectation that uh, people watch them. As being part of that community, do you think there's a bit of a, a rights and responsibility here? So we should be every time, you know, let's let's say not obviously not to single anyone out, but every time an Australian maker video comes out, we got to, we got to be on that because that's our responsibility. Or do you think it comes down to if you make good videos, it works. If you make rubbish videos, no one owes you anything. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I'd love to back every Australian woodworker and, and YouTuber there is because, you know, I'm part of that scene. But in reality, I don't know every Australian woodworker or YouTuber. Mm. And if their videos don't interest me, I'm like, I just don't have time to watch 20 videos a day. Mm. Um, so there's, like, you know, I'd love to, but the, like, an ideology, I think, is there, but in reality, it's not. I think the bigger responsibility comes down to like us on a personal level as a creator. So, you know, if we're working on a video and we're watching this and think, what a crock of, you know, mm. duty, then do you think like it's our responsibility to mm. say, you know what, let's not put this out there. This is adding to the problem, which is a saturated market for personal gain. Like why do it with, my pricing of work, which is probably why it's, I feel like I always underprice myself after I finish a project. But it's, if I feel like it's unfair, then it's not, then it's not fair. And I think it comes down to our videos and and all of that. Like if we we feel like we're going to contribute to this problem, then don't. Only contribute to the, the good stuff. Well, I mean, you call you call it a problem. Maybe a, maybe a problem is the is well, it may, the wrong word. It, but. Because, you know, I think about it from the perspective of like earlier we were talking about, you know, you said that um, this getting onto YouTube was just a way for you to show your. Um, oh, no. So that's right. You said you you enjoyed the, the editing process. Right. Yeah. I've always, always wanted YouTube to be a career for me. I've always wanted to be YouTube famous from this from the start. Um, so for for. For me to say I don't want to be part of the problem, it's you know for for someone like me, it's not so much about making sure that I put out good content. It's about that I win in the algorithm. Now I'm, I'm not saying that that's how it is now, but I'm saying when I started, when I had the stars in my eyes, that was my goal. It wasn't about the community. It wasn't about anything. All I wanted to do was make sure I was at the top of of the search list. Yeah. So. 
Maybe to answer your question about are, are we the ones to blame when we put out junky videos, maybe it's what do you want out of it? Because if you want a, 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 a slow burn community, then yeah, check what you put out, you know, mm. don't, don't just send it out. But if you want to get on into the, the, the top of the search rankings, you've got to be putting out the videos. You've but you're got not going to front get of to the top if your videos you're putting out are crap. Well, then you've got to you've got to you've got to find a way to to work the system. So you've got to do um, lists like top five tools in my workshop. Yeah. We've all seen that. We don't need to know that, but people love it. So you yeah, put out the, you put out the video. Yeah, and, I, and I'm like I, I shouldn't. I think I was maybe a bit harsh when I was saying you know, check yourself before you put it out. But I just mean that. If you oh, watch no, I th- a video I think it's, I think it's you a editor and you think this is not great. I think it's a I think it's a it's a perf it's a perfectly reasonable thing to say. I don't But it's also like do you not think that doing this self audit of content is important for your channel's growth as someone that wants to be YouTube famous? Would you not like you don't want to be a freaking what's his name? The idiot Logan Paul. Yeah. Like you don't want to be a Logan Paul that has just become such a big-headed idiot because who's the massively fact that he's famous stupid. on YouTube and has more digits in his bank account than we'll ever see. I mean, I'm yeah, not, but, I'm not saying like that that's that's not all that there is to it. But for Logan Paul, he's winning. Like he's exactly where he wants to be. I mean, he was. <laughs> he's not yeah. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do you do you keep up with all of that? Not really. I mean, I've seen lately. I've seen a few things on him because he's putting out some self. Or anyway, I won't say my comments. But. Yeah, he's. Um, I follow. I, I don't follow him, but I, I watch uh, Philip DeFranco. I don't know if you. He's basically like a, a YouTube news guy. And uh, he's always, yeah, 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 I know. He's always going on about the poll. So yeah, it's 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 pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Any anything else you want to add? I I don't I don't feel like we've fleshed this topic out yet. There's still no. a lot more to talk about. I think yeah. I mean, we went a lot. We went a lot of directions in this short <laughs> conversation. So. Yeah. But no. I mean, I think I think we've got a very good start on it. There's more to talk mm. about though. Well, then to, at least to round off the the, the topic of the video is the is the maker scene slowing down. I personally think it is only because our community is now becoming more and more makers as opposed to consumer, uh, you know, content creators as opposed to consumers. <laughs> and I think as soon as you do that, um, you, you're watering down the pool, not necessarily because the content creators aren't viewers as well, but people who are creating content view things differently to just an, a regular viewer. Definitely. Yeah. Like content creators are probably bigger critics than a standard viewer. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think that's a really good way to put it. And maybe not the maker, ge- maker community in general, because like if I look at the crafty movement where it's always like scrapbooking, maybe not scrapbooking, but you know, the, you know, the five minute DIY crap like yeah. that, that's still growing hugely. I would imagine, but as far as woodworking goes in the maker, maker side, I, I definitely would agree with that. Mm. Yeah. Cool. All right. So 
Speaking of watching videos, what have you been watching this week? Well, you wouldn't guess it from my earlier comments, but I've been watching a lot of Alex Steele. Going uh, straight, going straight for the the big guys. Yeah, that's what I've been watching. I can't. His videos are good. Yeah, it's good. It's you can't, good can't videos. I it. mean, I think I did say this. Like a lot of it's the same stuff, but you just go back and back because of the personality. And um, yeah, it's it's just cool. It's kind of like a destructive relationship. You don't know why, but you just keep you just keep yeah, going back. Exactly, and and in case like. You live under a rock and you don't know who this guy is. Like, he's just a blacksmith who is a massive YouTube celebrity now and he's making swords and knives and forging hammers and it's just cool. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Rob? So there's a channel, I think it's Practical Engineering is the channel name. I've got, I've got a link in the video description below. He did a video, he does these engineering videos which I find fascinating. So it's all like... Um, uh, what's engineering? It's, it's, there's a, a fancy term for it. Um, civil engineering. All these civil engineering, like uh, 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 the the way water runs through pipes and why you've got to you can't just slam a, a water pipe shut because what you know what's going to happen. Water hammer all, and all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all stuff like that. It's it's really it's really interesting. Anyway, um, he did a video this week about. Uh, why bridges don't collapse in on themselves when you tunnel through them and how bridge tunnelers use rock. Uh, I think they call them rock bolts. Yeah, rock, rock anchors or whatever it was. Right. I watched this so, It's really cool. Yeah. How cool was that? That was... Yeah. And then when... So, okay, I'm not going to give the video away. This will. This is going to blow your mind if you don't know about these, these rock anchors. Go and have a look at the video below and you just, you're going to see... Total witchcraft, in my opinion. <laughs> I just thought it was just the, the coolest thing ever that, that he could do that. He does a practical demonstration mm -hmm. of how these anchors work, and you you, you will not believe how My how biggest cool takeaway was that, is that after seeing that, I can finally look into these tunnels and caves and things that I've been through and realize what these bolts are doing. Right. I had no idea what the hell they were doing, and now I know, and it's, it's really cool. When, when Definitely I worth a watch. When I lived in London, all the underground tubes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you would. Yeah. Well, you would have seen it when you were there as well. Yeah. All those little anchors all the way along. Yeah. That's what they're doing. Yeah. But you did a really cool one a while ago with um, Earth. Or I think it's called Earth Mounding. That's another video of his to check out. Where it's how it's like civil engineers combat Earth just washing away when they're building ramps and bridges yeah. and things like that. That was that a really cool one as well. My, my favorite besides this one, because to date I think this is the best, is um, he talked about, it's something, I can't remember the exact name, but it's, it's, it's to do with the friction forces within sand and how you can take, with engineered sand, you can make a block of sand, I think in his case it was like 30, 300 yeah, mil like by 300 mil. Foot, yeah. And he set a car on top of it, a car wheel on top of it, but just the, the friction forces within the sand were enough to take the weight of a car, a little 300 by 300 cube of sand. I think that's what I was referring to, and he did it with like five fiberglass mesh between it, right? or fly screen mesh between yeah, the layers. Yeah, that's what yeah, he used in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the video I was just referring to. That was a freaking real brilliant one. That was the Lots first one. To be learned on his channel. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, uh, well, that's about it. Anything else you want to add, Jordan? I noticed I miss you, Joey. Come back. Yeah, hopefully we'll have Joey next week. We spoke to him and he said um, it's a bit of a balancing act at the moment. So 
you know, we, we may or may not see him tonight, but hopefully next week we'll, we'll get some, some, some quality woodworking input into this podcast. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Just want to do one more plug this weekend. Uh, George's going to be at the uh, first wood show. So if you are in the area, head down to that. I'm sure it'll be worth a laugh. Go say hi to Jordan and uh, get, a, get a picture with the celebrity while he's, he's still underground. <laughs> And yeah, yep. okay. All right, everyone. Well, thanks very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you again same time next week, Tuesday. Catch you then.